Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So there was a cool thing the other day. You don't get a lot of this, and when you do, you want to make sure you take full advantage of it. Georgia opened up practice for a long time for the media. Now, I'm always in this box in the studio, so I wasn't there, but we did have Mike Griffith, Connor Riley on hand. Talked to Mike about this a little bit yesterday, and he was with us. And Connor had a, a very detailed write-up about this at dognation.com and so my mind is always kind of spinning 100 miles an hour you know I'm like a lot of you probably a little ADHD and that I'm thinking about 12 things at once at any given time I know a lot of us kind of feel that way from time to time and so so reading what Connor wrote and by the way the, the full practice reports probably worth uh, your attention because I did think Connor did a good job of going into detail about everything that he saw and I thought he was pretty candid about, okay, so this may mean this, and this may mean nothing, whatever else. But, um, but you know, pretty detailed description of the things that he saw, and I thought he did a really good job with it. But in reading the thing that Connor wrote about Eric Gilbert, I started having a bunch of other thoughts that, I don't know, kind of lead me to a conclusion that maybe you'll agree with, maybe you won't, but maybe it's kind of a possible solution to what I think George would describe as a little bit of a concern right now so let me start with this this is connor riley's observation having seen eric gilbert at georgia practice going back earlier this week let me read this to you connor says that georgia redshirt sophomore eric gilbert was spotted at practice on tuesday going through drills with the tight ends and catching passes from the quarterbacks gilbert was away from the team for all of last season he was wearing number 14 that's connor riley from dognation.com saying at practice eric gilbert working out as a tight end Now, this to me is interesting for a couple of reasons. It is interesting in that on the basis of what has been said in the past, maybe that's not something that that Gilbert really wanted to do. Gilbert has had some concerns, I think, about the tight end position in general, the tight end position of how it's used at UGA, and maybe the fact that he's there now maybe would lead you to believe and probably with good reason that whatever concerns Gilbert once had about the tight end spot in general and specifically that tight end position here at UGA those those questions have been alleviated as a way of kind of further accentuating this point why it's kind of somewhat interesting that Gilbert was working at a tight end let's go back to to Gilbert talking about his decision to maybe come to Georgia originally as a five-star recruit coming out of high school at Marietta High School and what Gilbert was saying to our Jeff Sintel way back then. These were some of Gilbert's original thoughts about, hey, do I want to sign up to play tight end at a place like Georgia and how hard Todd Hartley, the position coach, was working at the time to convince him that's something that he ought to do. This was uh, Eric Gilbert about that subject a couple of years ago. Coach Hartley, he really likes me and I really like him. Obviously, it's history. He brings that up a lot with David Njoku, um, his guys in Miami. So, yeah, that's basically what we talk about. We talk a lot now. I went down there for a visit, and we got to talk, so that was good. We just talked about how he was trying to change Georgia's offense around with the tight ends. Well, not change it around, but just add tight ends into it. So when Gilbert says there at the end that Todd Hartley was trying to convince him that he was trying to change Georgia's offense around and add tight ends into it. Obviously, the read-in on a, on a quote like that from Gilbert is, up until that point in time, Gilbert just didn't really believe the tight end position had been used as well as it could be to place like Georgia, and that's probably one of the reasons why you know, when Gilbert first arrived or when he was kind of a figure on the transfer portal that he wanted to play the receiver spot. 
So, and the other thing that Gilbert once said, and I try to find this clip. I used to have this clip, and I guess you know, over the course of time, clips just kind of disappear on me a little bit. But one of the things that Gilbert said about George, which I always thought was really interesting, is when it comes to the kinds of routes that tight ends were running, he talks about, hey, I just want to run stick routes, which basically like, let me run five yards, stop, turn around, and look for the football. Very simple, very basic routes, the kind of thing you don't get a really good chance to show your athleticism on very much. I don't want to just do like stick route stuff or, or, or very simple, basic type, type things. So that's what Gilbert had said in the past, concerned about the tight end position and how it's been used at UGA and wanting to be a wide receiver probably because of that. And now, lo and behold, he's kind of back at tight end again. So here's what all of this would lead me to believe, which is that the the breakout season that Brock Bowers enjoyed for Georgia a year ago is enough maybe to convince Gilbert that, hey, maybe tight end actually is a pretty good place for me to be at a place like Georgia because look how uh, Brock Bowers, I mean, Bowers just got a big, uh, I know he's injured not participating this spring, but he just got a big NIL deal and obviously, you know, all kinds of national attention. He certainly has the makings of a future elite NFL draft pick, you would certainly assume. And so it is only common sense to say, well, of course, I'd like to get me some of that. And so Gilbert being back at tight end, would seem to to suggest that the concerns he used to have about that position, that position in a place like George, have almost been totally alleviated. Not to say that it's solely Gilbert's choice about what position that he plays, but you know to fully embrace the tight end spot, which seemingly he has. We'll talk to Terrence Edwards about this uh, more in a little bit. Would suggest evidence to me that the tight end position truly has grown at George. And Todd Hartley, who I think is one of the real premier assistance on this in this program right now that his ambition that Gilbert described in that that clip from way back when he was a recruit of uh hey I want to raise the level of tight end play at Georgia well come to find out that's exactly what's happened that's I think really cool but let me make a entirely different point here for a moment which is that Gilbert at tight end at a time in which Georgia is thin at wide receiver makes this conversation even more interesting because the one thing that Kirby Smart talked about on Tuesday as well he's you know talking about being as thin as they've been he said at the wide receiver spot the defensive back spot you can go I don't have time to play the clip for you right now but you can go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and watch the full uh, press conference from early on Tuesday and and Smart brings that point up during the press conference which is that uh, right now we are thinner than we've been at wide receiver and, and and defensive back so it's interesting that a guy that was once kind of listed on the on the depth chart as wide receiver or the the roster I guess I'm trying to say was once listed on the roster as a wide receiver according to our Connor Riley eyewitness scout from Tuesday working out at tight end now so it's interesting that Gilbert's gravitating more towards his natural position even though the position that we thought he might play wide receiver is according to Kirby Smart thinner than it's been so that kind of gets me thinking okay so Darnell Washington when he's healthy he's back playing uh, tight end you've got Eric Gilbert who's now working out with the tight ends there too obviously a lot of folks have a lot of high expectations for for uh, uh, Oscar Delp as an incoming freshman, a guy who came to George, he said, because he liked the things that Brock Bowers was doing. So you're deeper than anybody ever could imagine at tight end and thinner than maybe you want to be at the wide receiver spot, at least according to Smart from practice this week. So how do you alleviate that concern? Well, some folks would have originally thought, well, maybe you put Eric Gilbert at wide receiver. Well, maybe now that's not what you're doing. So let me offer this. And this is not a news report. This is not, you know, hey, sources are telling me this is just my opinion. And I don't mind telling you it's a little bit of kind of a crackpot opinion. This is not really a 
uh, well thought out idea necessarily, but I think there is some, I don't know. I I think there may be some, some justification for this. What if Georgia alleviated its need of more wide receiver depth by utilizing a position where it is really deep, but not moving Eric Gilbert from tight end to wide receiver? What if Brock Bowers played wide receiver? Or what if we acknowledge what Bowers really is, regardless of position, one of the best pass-catching targets in all of the SEC, one of the best receivers in the SEC, whether you call him a tight end or receiver, what if that was the solution to Georgia's lack of depth at the wide receiver spot, according to Smart from a little earlier this week? Because if it was ever possible that Gilbert could do it, I think based on results this past season, it is also possible that Bowers could do that when he himself returns from injury going forward. In fact, there was a thing that Todd Munkin said last summer that probably didn't get a lot of attention at the time, at least on the basis of of, of the emphasis that Munkin put on it, that seems far more relevant now. And I've told you this before, that I'm always very interested in what guys bring up unsolicited, whether it be players or coaches, whatever else, what they pivot to on their own accord always really matters to me and so last summer the time the only time you get to speak to Todd Munkin before the season begins and then you don't hear from him again until after the season's over with when he was asked about how Gilbert was going to be used Gilbert actually linked uh or should say Munkin actually linked Gilbert to uh Brock Bowers very similar type players in the mind of Munkin which to me only reinforces the point that I'm making even more which is if Gilbert could have been a wide receiver maybe we should think of Brock Bowers that way now this is a reminder from Todd Munkin last summer. Take a listen to this. I think he's adapted well. He's a special talent because he's he's in the Brock Bowers mode and that he's athletic enough to play receiver but big enough to do some things on the interior. He's a size matchup. He's a run-after-catch guy. He loves to play the game. So, you know, we're excited that he's part of our program. So saying that Eric Gilbert's kind of in that Brock Bowers mold, all of a sudden – that seems like a pretty big compliment for Gilbert, of course, but it's also a reminder of the very unusual high-level athleticism that kind of defined Eric Gilbert, who apparently now is working back at tight end again. Uh, that's the kind of thing that Brock Bowers also brings to the table there as well. He has always been far more than just a tight end. Let me give you a couple of stats on this, and I think that'll kind of maybe drive the point home e- even more. For instance, if you look at receiving yards in the SEC last year, Only seven guys had more receiving yards last season than Brock Bowers did. If you look at receiving touchdowns, do you know that only one player in all of the SEC had more receiving touchdowns than Bowers had a year ago? That he was already last season one of the best receivers in the SEC, even if he was technically a tight end. So to think of him more as a receiver when he's back healthy moving into the 2022 season, that just kind of makes sense for me. And it makes sense for a guy like Gilbert maybe there as well because ultimately in a day and age in which football is becoming a little bit more positionless here's why this stuff kind of matters at all it's simply about the matchups we know for the upcoming season that if whether Bowers lines up at tight end or if he lines up at wide receiver defenses are going to be throwing their very best at him you can't afford to defend Bowers 
with your fourth best cover guy or, or something along those lines because his productivity is simply too high for that. So uh, this is one of those things where if you're going to get the, the best pass coverage the other team has to offer, then why not be creative with how you line up Bowers as a way of exploiting that? We know that he runs past people, clearly uses body very well. To me, thinking of him more as a receiver, even if technically he'll still be listed as a tight end, probably makes some sense. And for Gilbert, credit to him if he truly has understood all the things i just described a moment ago that as kirby smart said before in the past that listen when you get to play the tight end position you're matching up against a safety or somebody like that that's not a full-time cover guy as smart has said before so that about uh, uh, darnell washington after the missouri game and the 2020 season and that gives you a chance if you're an elite athlete to exploit those matchups clearly bowers has done that very well clearly washington has done that from time to time too missouri game cincinnati game from the 2020 season are perfect examples of that and now Gilbert may be getting a chance to do that very same thing there as well exploiting those mismatches that's the kind of thing that Gilbert might get to do but in Bowers case there are no more mismatches coming his way it's going to be the best cover guys available trying to stop him from doing what he's doing so why not acknowledge then that he is one of the best pass catching targets in the sec was as productive as any wide receiver almost a year ago and thinking of him a little bit more in that vein for this upcoming season might be a solution to what smart says is a concern thin at wide receiver maybe thin with guys who can give big time productivity a very wide receiver like tight end and brock bowers may make that a little bit less of a concern for the upcoming season. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and good to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, uh, 10 a.m. on the rest of the live video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, of course, Radio Noon, on Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref podcast, all the various podcast platforms. Really happy to have you for that. Don't forget, we also do a special podcast cool down brought to you by our friends at RS Andrews at the end of each and every one of those podcast shows. Totally different content from what you get here on the video side of things. If you're normally a video viewer, you can check that out on podcast each and every day. That's always a lot of fun to be able to do. And all of this made possible, the fun we have each and every day here by our friends at Merriweather and Tharp. And listen, uh, Bob Tharp and the whole team over there at Merriweather and Tharp, they love to have fun. They enjoy all of that. Uh, that that's certainly a big part of uh, all the dog nation events that we do you can usually find the tharp family there and enjoying all of that but they also understand that not everything in life is fun sometimes there are uncomfortable confrontations that must take place and one of the most prominent examples of that you can probably think of is the divorce situation and divorce is one of those things that just for many folks is a reality for you know statistically speaking an audience the size of ours it is going to be a reality for a lot of people listening here right now and if i could wave a magic wand and take that away from you i would but obviously i can't reality just deals us a hand that sometimes we are forced to play in this particular instance your best way to play the hand that you've been dealt is by having a strong advocate on your side you've heard me say this before strength in this case coming from knowledge of the law and understanding how the law impacts your specific situation i'm talking about some of the biggest weightiest issues you can deal with your children your finances your future all of that on the table in the divorce conversation and meriwether and tharp understands that and they want to get the best for you out of what you're going through right now that's why i encourage you to reach out to them it's the atlanta divorce team.com that's the website the atlanta divorce team.com play around on the website explore the free resources whether it be blog uh, blog post or podcast or or things of, of that nature educate yourself to ask good questions when you 
have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. That's a really good way to make the most out of that conversation. Tell your story to them. Let them tell you what the next step is. And I think you'll be set up for a happier tomorrow. So check them out online, theatlantadivorceteam.com for a lot more on that. That is theatlantadivorceteam.com. All right, Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a little bit. Before we get to that, let's dive into a pretty interesting set of comments from Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett and his head coach Kirby Smart going back a little earlier this week. We'll do so as we go around the doghouse here in our program today. First of all, you know, you go back to like the immediate aftermath of the national championship game is also weird, right? Like I didn't go to bed after that title game until almost 530 that morning. Uh, Most of the folks kind of in Indianapolis were in a similar situation and then by 9 a.m really just what three and a half hours or so later we were already back down there in the lobby of the hotel doing another press conference with Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett and most of the people in the room were not aware that Bennett had made a very bleary-eyed appearance on Good Morning America the whole thing was kind of awkward and stilted that's not Bennett's fault it's not his job to make the tv show go well it's the tv show's job to make him look good uh we certainly uh, approach that around here when we have interviews and uh, Good Morning America should be no different but it was kind of an awkward interview and you know Bennett was kind of looking off to the side not really sure where to look and at one point in time he you know said something to the effect of you know coming back to Georgia being based on his ability to trust the coaches and you know in the aftermath of that I think justifiably so some people kind of wondered what all of that meant and what was all of that about and what did go into your uh, uh, decision to come back to UGA those are questions that have kind of hung in the air here over the course of the last few weeks and Bennett met with reporters on uh, I guess it was Tuesday night in part to answer that particular question so this is what Bennett said then about his decision to return I mean there's a bunch of private conversations that that we won't go into but it, it was it was more so just you know um how are we going to do this year? I wanted to see, I wanted to hear what Coach Smart um, had to do. I mean, I, obviously, I, I know like he's in charge, and, and we're going to follow it by his playbook. Uh, but I just wanted to know, you know, for me, it was, it was time for me to be a little selfish while I was making that decision. And then now I'm, I'm all bored. So I, I wanted to hear a few things, and he, he told me some of them were what I wanted, some wasn't. And, you know, they're, they're closed-door conversations. But in the end, I thought that for me, I want to come back and play football at the University of Georgia. I think all of that is really interesting. And, you know, the one thing I think about Stetson Bennett is in the press conference on Tuesday, perfect example of this. Everything that Bennett says just sounds so believable. He just is a very earnest speaker. And I think it's really pretty refreshing. Hearing Bennett speak makes me more of a fan of his. And a couple of things that jump out there. First of all, there are some Georgia fans who think that Smart and UGA have been too loyal to Stetson Bennett. It is so interesting to always know how untrue Bennett seems to think that is, given the fact that he was essentially not given an opportunity to even be on the roster at one point in time and given very little chance to compete for the quarterback job over the course of the last couple of seasons, only to emerge as the starting quarterback in both of those years. If you're Bennett, you're just kind of left to wonder, you know, how does this coaching staff truly view me? And I don't think it's unfair that that Bennett would want to explore that. And the other thing here is, and this is one of those kind of life lessons, that if you want to know the truth in any situation, whether it involves football or something that does involve football, the truth is always a mixture of things you want to hear and things you don't want to hear. In fact, if you ever want to know if someone's lying to you, the best way to know that is, are they telling me exactly what I want to hear? 
because anyone who's telling you 100% of what you want to hear is 100% lying to you about something. The truth is just never exactly what we want it to be. And so Bennett says there, uh, hey, I asked you know coaches about this situation, and they gave me some of what I wanted, some of what I didn't want. And that's how you know it's the truth. If it's a mixture of both the good and the bad, the things you like to hear, the things that are a little uncomfortable to hear, that's how you kind of know that's the truth. Bennett, in terms of where he stands in their eyes, how he performed in a historic season a year ago, some good, some bad, and a lot of other in between mixed in on all of that. And it's very interesting to hear Bennett be so candid about that. Kirby Smart asked about the same kind of conversation. Uh, apparently, some of those discussions that Bennett must have had didn't take place with Kirby, or he was just playing it coy about making all that public because he had a very, I don't want to say different account, but his description of Bennett's decision to return was was maybe a little different than, than Stetson's was. This is what Kirby said about the same uh, ongoing process that led to Bennett being back here for the 2022 season, Kirby from Tuesday. No, we didn't. Uh really didn't have we had a couple conversations just in passing and uh, he reached out a couple times and just said he really wanted to, to come back and um, wanted to continue to get better and um, you know was, there wasn't a lot there there weren't a lot of questions and things it was more he feels like that he's grown as a quarterback he knows that we showed a lot of confidence in Stetson if you didn't notice and uh, I mean he answered that with uh, the way he played I think he'd be the first to tell you he can still grow and get better and um, you know we have high expectations for Stetson but we also have high standards of what we expect Stetson to do in terms of leading our offense in terms of going to class and doing the right things and we're still challenging him to do those things so Kirby offers that challenge there to Bennett and then in the subsequent part of the conversation went into a little bit more detail about specifically what it is they want to challenge Stetson Bennett to do here in his final year at UGA as one of the focal points of the program more of Kirby on what he's challenging Bennett to do here this season and presumably this spring make decisions right we were late over the middle a couple times with balls and late in the season and you know he'll be the first day he didn't play perfect he made some really good plays for us with his feet his legs his decision making but you just want to take out the you know some of the bonehead throws some of the bonehead mistakes um that he's made from time to time and you know hey it's easy for him to say he hadn't had an opportunity to correct those mistakes because the the guy was taking threes at this time last year you know, he was he was taking reps as a, as a three or sparingly, and wasn't getting a lot of reps. So he got a lot of work fast, and uh, we feel like he's he's still showing progress. He's done some really nice things this spring, but that should be should be expected for a guy with his uh, experience level. So I don't take too much out of what Smart says there. I think his. Uh, outward challenge to Bennett's not all that different than the kinds of things that he would say about other players other positions and other years I don't really make too much out of anything that Smart says there about Stetson Bennett but I do think it all goes into the continuing conversation that UGA fans are having of what is going on at the quarterback spot and here's one of those things you have to kind of gravitate back to is what I said before of what does the truth mean in a given situation it's a combination of things that you want to be true and things that you maybe have to acknowledge that you wish were true that are not in the case of Bennett I'm a fan of his and uh, the truth is as Smart said they did show some confidence in him and Bennett paid off on that confidence by playing well last season however you also have to acknowledge the other side of that is which is when Bennett had a chance to maybe fully and finally address every single one of his critics and put them all in their place 
Maybe at times he stopped just short of doing that. To the Georgia fans who wish Georgia had a different starting quarterback than Stetson Bennett, once again, the truth, the mixture of things you want to be true, things you don't want to be true, they are more than happy at times to maybe point out some of his faults, and those are accurately stated in many cases. However, it's also worth pointing out that for anyone who wants it to be somebody different other than Bennett, as of right now, we don't have really much evidence that person's emerging. Now, over the course of the rest of the spring, maybe we will hear that. But if UGA had a quarterback, whether it be last season or this season, that was on his way to retaking that starting quarterback job or taking it over for the first time, this is not the kind of thing you would be able to keep a secret. It is not the kind of thing that could be hidden you know, from, from view. If Georgia had another quarterback emerging, eventually we will hear about it. And if it's crickets, then you have to make the assumption that that guy is just not there right now because for, for now – when it comes to the other quarterbacks other than Bennett, other than a couple very tightly edited, very short videos, we haven't heard much from the other quarterbacks as of yet. Maybe that changes, but as of now, it hasn't. So the Georgia quarterback conversation is going to be ongoing. Other guys are going to have their chance to show what they're all about. Stetson Bennett's going to have his chance of showing why it was that he returned, just how much growth he can show and how much better he can get. The truth is, he's pretty good a year ago and even more uh, improvement from Stetson Bennett could be uh, a recipe for a very impressive offense for the uh, Bulldogs later on this season. So that's the story at quarterback from uh, Kirby going back to Tuesday and from Bennett himself in that situation. I'm going to talk to Terrence Edwards here about what he thinks about the UGA quarterback uh, situation and kind of everything else that kind of plays off that and his thoughts on Gilbert maybe back gravitating towards the more natural position for him at a tight end. We'll do a lot of that. Uh, always great to have Terrence Edwards. It is a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. Fun to be able to do that with him today and all of you here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Terrence Edwards here, uh, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. A lot to do with him on the program today. And Terrence, I know it feels like we've talked about this 10,000 times, but quarterback was back in the news again this week because we heard from Stetson Bennett. We heard a lot from Kirby Smart talking about Stetson Bennett, things that he feels like he's done well and things that he's still challenging him to be better at, just basically, you know, all the things that you want a quarterback to be able to do and obviously kind of ignites a lot around around UGA fans too when it comes to this particular situation. Uh, What do you think of the current state of Georgia's quarterback room? Bennett, the starter presumably, young guys trying to make a name for themselves and to my ears it's been actually pretty quiet with some of those guys now for a little while what do you make of what's happening at quarterback i think for the first time uh in a long time you know we really got a, a clear-cut starter uh, i i think everyone you know knew jt was the clear-cut starter but you know the the injury situation and with jt and sets and splitting reps and uh dewan Mathis start the season off last year so it's, it's, this is the first time we're going to the spring and we can honestly say you know Sexton is the clear-cut starter but I think we got some some young guns behind him that is more talented than him uh uh Brock Vandergriff and and uh Gunner Stockton too that comes to mind you know we still have Carson Beck so the the the, the room is very talented uh Sexton just got all this experience and he's the quarterback that won us the next championship so he's you know I think it goes back to the Jake from Justin Fields. You know, how can you take Sexton out right now when he won us a national championship? But uh, Jake took us to a national championship. We didn't win it. And, uh, you know, it's just tough for Justin Fields to take his spot when that quarterback was, you know, 
was the leader of the team. So, you know, now we don't have that. We know Sexton is the clear-cut favorite for this this job, and we have some young guns behind that's waiting to get in, get their opportunity. To be totally honest, I think if people were going to put me in a category, they would probably put me in the pro Stetson Bennett category, and that's probably uh, justifiably. I am a, a fan of Bennett's, and I think that Bennett was a big reason why they won the national championship a year ago. He was certainly part of, of that equation. However, even as a pro Bennett guy, which most people would probably say that I am, I still want to hear good news about these other quarterbacks. I want to hear whether it's a Carson Beck or a Brock Vandegrift or even a Gunnar Stockton, I want to hear about one of these young guys emerging and making a push for his own consideration. I just think it's better for Georgia to have more quarterbacks, you know, multiple quarterbacks playing well and multiple quarterbacks being an option. And Terrence, it's one of those things where I have to kind of be candid here for a moment. I think it's pretty quiet on the quarterback front right now. And uh, I think that if, if, if a quarterback is playing so well that he's, worth considering either as a guy that plays some in every game or even potentially as a you know starter for Georgia if something were to happen this year that's one of those things that kind of can't stay quiet all spring if that's true I think eventually we'll hear it but thus far it has been pretty quiet would you agree with me on that that as of now we still kind of don't really know what Georgia has in a back or or, or a Vandegrift they are still very much unknown commodities right now I think that's probably one of the biggest uh Storylines, I think, go, that be going into the to the summer, through the spring, through the summer, through the fall. Is who's going to win the backup job? I think uh, one thing that Kirby has always said that he's always been very comfortable putting Stetson in. That's why I think he never took Stetson out because he was, he was so comfortable with Stetson. And now they really have to find a backup quarterback that he's comfortable with. That if anything ever happens, we know you're one player away from being a starter. So. Who, who's going to be that guy that he's comfortable with putting into the game? Uh, so I think you're right. I think we, I think as Georgia fans, I me, mean, we want to hear uh, about Brock, Brock Van der Griffin, who's a five star, about Gunnar Stockton, who's a five star. And I've watched Gunnar up close, up close twice, and I think he's made of the right stuff. And I'm with Ron Bill twice a week, and he trains Brock Van der Griffin from a younger age, and he continually tells me Brock is made of the right stuff. So good. Uh, we, we, we want to hear. We want to hear that those two guys, and even Carson, is it, lighting up, and we want those guys to push that. You know, we, want, we don't want Setson to, to uh, just feel like he is the guy because he's one. I want those guys to push him. I want, and I think Kirby's going to push him and, and make sure he understands that, yes, you are started, but you have some guys behind you that I feel comfortable with putting in the game if you, know, if you don't come to get better each and every day at practice. I think that's exactly right. Let me transition to a guy I know you know very well, obviously Eric Gilbert. And report we had from practice earlier this week was Gilbert was working out with the tight ends. When Smart has talked about Gilbert a little earlier this spring, he also kind of mentioned him in category with some of those tight ends. Terrence, you obviously know so much more about this than I do, but I think that Gilbert exploiting those kinds of mismatches that can come his way when you're you know working against a safety or something like that, the way that you do when you're running routes to the tight end, I think that could be very good for his productivity. What do you think about the idea that maybe Gilbert, after seemingly wanting to play wide receiver, is maybe now gravitating back towards the position that we kind of thought of him as as a recruit and really getting a chance to use that big body and and, and use that natural athleticism against some uh, some uh, would-be uh, uh, you know pass covers that might not know what to do with, uh, with number 14 there. What do you think about Gilbert possibly back at tight end again? Uh, you know, uh, B.A., it's, you know, I, I, 
people may not know, but I, I, I really know what's going on with him. Man, I thought this was probably his best opportunity to showcase his skill set. You know, even last year, uh, being, you know, he's 245 pounds. It's just, uh, you know, I just thought his best would have been that flex with how they use Brock. And I just think you got two flex tight ends now that, uh, well, three with Oscar, because Oscar is in the same mold of those guys. When you got three guys that just are mismatch problems, then I think Brock is the better of the three. I'm just be that's just me right now because I seen Brock do it. Uh, Eric hasn't played in a year. Oscar hasn't played college football yet. But you got that room is, is very talented. And I, and I know Kirby said earlier that the receiver room is thin, but you got three tight ends, four tight ends with Darnell Washington in the, in the fall that, uh, the Dillard can be mismatched problems for a lot of people. And it really dictates for the defense what personnel you're going to be in. Cause we played a lot of 12 and 13 personnel that's 12 personnel, two tight ends and a 13, three tight ends. We played that personnel probably more than anybody uh, in college football. And we exploited mixed matches. And I think Todd Michael would do a great job of putting those guys in position to exploit their talents against defense. So it, it really put defenses in the bind. Do you put bigger bodies on the field? Or you say your base defense or nickel defense We have smaller bodies on the field. So I just think he has a, a really talented room that can exploit just not in the passing game, but in the, in the running game as well. You know, when Gilbert was a recruit, he didn't always love to do interviews and things like that. But when he did give them, he was always just really honest. And like one of the things I mentioned uh, before he joined us was, is there was a clip I had of him, and I've kind of lost it. I don't know what, what happened to it. But at one point in time, he was talking about how he didn't want to go to somewhere and just run stick routes, you know, five yards and turn around. He wanted to run fun, good routes. And to me, as a fan of Georgia, if Gilbert is embracing the tight end position, which right now you get the sense that he is, um, if he's embracing that, then to me it speaks to just how cool Todd Hartley and Todd Munkin have made the tight end position to Georgia because it's not five yards and turn around. It's it's you know getting a chance to do some of the stuff that you know Darnell Washington did maybe at the end of the 2020 season or you know some of the stuff that Brock Bowers did throughout the year uh, a year ago where you're running what seems to be a pretty sophisticated route. You're obviously getting a chance to put up very big numbers, and this is not you know the old Georgia where the tight end was simply nothing more than like the dump off if nothing else is available and it was like sort of four yards in a cloud of dust on those on those receiving plays tight end is a lot more fun to play now at Georgia at least it seems to be and Gilbert's embrace of that position as a fan of this team uh, Terrence I think is evidence of that would you agree with that oh I think so I think uh you know going out when 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 Eric used to say he wanted to play receiver and people like ah he wanted to play receiver, but you were spot on. He want he didn't want to play a conventional tight end where he's blocking or just running spot routes or drag routes. Like he his skill set was more than that, and he. I think we just lost Aaron Edwards. We'll see if we can get him back on the phone here. Uh, in the midst of giving you some pretty good analysis of Gilbert, it's always cool when you have these guys on that have had these very personal and, and private conversations with these you know players that we're discussing that can kind of give you a little bit more insight on the kinds of things that they are thinking about. That's always a really good thing to be able to do. And and, and Terrence right there getting you some great insight onto what's going on with uh, Eric Gilbert and kind of what that means to the UGA offense. And I hope we're able to uh, continue that. In fact, I think we're going to be able to right now. So Terrence, we lost you, as you were saying that he didn't want to play a traditional tight end, you know, running the drag routes or the, you know, the, uh, you know, you know, things like that, that he wanted to be in something that showcased his talents a little bit more. I'll let you pick up on that same point. 
Right. He he just wants to showcase his talents like they they did him at Marriott. He wants to split out. He wants to play in the slot. He wants to play the X. He wants to play the Z. Like he just wants to showcase his talent, not just be this traditional tight end uh, that the tight end position has always been. So uh, I think Georgia have have really made the tight end position fun. I mean, <laughs> when you have a guy, guy like Brock Bowers, you know it's you have to find unique ways to get him the football. And I think uh, when you have talented players like this, uh, Coach Monkey did an excellent job of putting those type players in position to succeed. And I think now you have three or four tight ends, and, man, you you can do a lot with 240-pound tight ends slash receivers. And I don't even call them tight ends anymore. I, I, don't, I think we're going to have to come up with a new name for these type players now. Well, in speaking of that, I want to ask you about that because I admitted this off the top of the program. This is just kind of a crackpot opinion, something I sort of pulled out of thin air. But I have to wonder, you know, Kirby has said, hey, we're thin at receiver right now. At one point in time, you know, we'd have thought maybe Gilbert was one of those receivers. But now it seems like, you know, George is going to use him, you know, as more of a tight end. So if if a receiver slash tight end and Gilbert's now more of a tight end, given the productivity a year ago, should we think of, should we call, should we essentially treat Brock Bowers as if he's a wide receiver? Because if you look at his stats, I said before, there's only one guy in the SEC that caught more touchdowns than him. There are only seven guys in the SEC that had more receiving yards than he did, and they were all of the league's thousand-yard wide receivers. I absolutely expect uh, Bowers to be a thousand-yard receiver. You know, obviously that's big talk when I have you on the phone because you're the only guy in the program's history who's done that but if this is the kind of statistical category Bowers is in now knowing that he's going to get really tough pass coverage from every team that Georgia plays is Brock Bowers now a wide receiver and should Georgia use him that way Terrence tell me more about this because obviously you know more about this than I do I don't think so I don't think he strictly should go play an X or Z receiver I think the way that the game is evolving, I mean, you just look at the NFL and the way Travis Kelsey and the Darren Wallers are being used. They're still being used as an in-line uh, athlete for where they line up, but they're also being moved around. I, I just think if you go and put Brock outside, that just eliminates some of his advantage for who he has to match up with. He, he, is, he is a fast, strong competitor, just lining up against straight cornerbacks all day. It's just going to take away from a little bit of uh, why we think he's special. We want to get to advantage. So we want him to line up against safest linebackers, not just corners the whole time, who's more fit to just being able to cover. Um, so I, I just think keeping him in that type role and expanding that role and the game have changed. You just look at the NFL now. I, I did it. I went back and looked like 10 years ago and it's like one or two tight ends that went over a thousand yards mm-hmm. in the NFL. Uh, if you go now, it's it's five to six, even more tight ends uh, that's going over a thousand yards uh, in the NFL. So uh, the tight end position has evolved from when my one of my best friends, my roommate, Brandon McMichael, was there. Yeah. Uh, to now the tight end just a little different. Uh, so no, I just think keeping him where he's at, moving him around to get the advantage, so his skill set can can shine. I got more to do with Terrence Edwards here in a moment. I want to, before that, though, remind you, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence Edwards right now here on the program. And Terrence gives us great inside information on the Georgia Bulldogs, the players and the team. But you yourself can be your own version of an insider at Marlowe's Tavern. You can join the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. And, man, do you get great incentives 
for doing that. How about this? Just for signing up, this is like your own signing bonus. We talk a lot about signing bonuses these days. It seems like just for signing up, you're going to get $10 off your $30 purchase there at Marlowe's Tavern, which can be used at any of the tavern locations, including right there in your neighborhood. Then after that, you're looking for those qualified visits. When you go to Marlowe's Tavern, you spend at least $15 on food and beverage. That is a qualified visit for you. Then once you get four qualified visits, you're going to get a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit to a Marlowe's Tavern. You also get great stuff on your birthday there as well. There's all kinds of incentives for you to be a part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club, and it is free to join, which is a cool thing there as well. So simply go to Marlowe'sTavern.com to find out more about this. That is Marlowe'sTavern.com to find out more about that today. So Terrence, one more thing in the wide receiver position, then we'll let you go here. Um, you know, Smart has talked about it being a little thin over there right now, you know, not as many bodies. And to me, you know, average fan hears that while Smart doesn't use this phrase. Boy, hard not to go to the mind of, oh, does that mean transfer portal? Does that mean that Georgia's sending out a, you know, a signal to receivers? If you're unhappy where you are, maybe put yourself in the portal and you might end up playing for the defending national champions. And obviously for the guys currently on this roster, whether it be Dominic Blaylock coming back from injury, you and I have talked a lot about A.D. Mitchell, of course, who seems to be taking that big stride. Lad McConkey, who put up big numbers a year ago that establishing your spot in the pecking order right now if you're lucky enough to be on campus if you're lucky enough to be going through these spring practices doesn't that seem like that's really important because you know if Georgia does go out and get that transfer receiver you want to make sure if you're currently a receiver on this team that you took advantage of your opportunity before he gets there to kind of secure your place in line for those touches is that kind of the way that receivers think when it comes to something like this well a lot of the receivers that we have right now are still trying to establish themselves because we have a new receiver coach. And, and Coach yeah. B-Mac has been around the block and he's well-versed of what he's looking for. And I think he liked it, likes the current uh, players that we have from when I spoke with him. And he, he was really high on all those guys. And, and I just want to give a real big shout-out to Dominique Blaylock from what yeah. I've been reading and keeping up. Man, he's he's having a – now, his name has popped up a few times, yeah. I think, out of – uh, out of Kirby's mouth, so yep. that's a good thing because I I thought his first season was on par with with George Pickens' first season. I think both of those guys were very talented, and I know George had all the height, but Dom made some plays there as well. I was like, this guy is, is on his way as well as being one of the playmakers for it. Unfortunately, he you know got hurt twice, so it just, I'm just happy for him to uh, now get opportunity to go show his skill set again, healthy. But those guys just got to, you know, it's all predicated on uh, what these guys do in the spring. So they got to go out and, and put their best foot forward when you bring in a new coach. I know it's still the head coach, the offense coordinator in the pecking order, but B-Mac has been around the block and he's going to have his say on who he thinks should play where. And if that group is not up to his par, his standard, then you're probably going to go out and get some guys. But that's all predicated on what those guys do this spring if they're going to go out and get someone. Uh, I do know we have some more guys coming in, in in the fall, some freshmen, but if those guys does not play up to what Kirby and, and, and Munkin and, and B-Matt think, yes, you're going to go and look in the portal. And I, and I know, this, you know the, the Georgia fan base is, uh, would be happy going out and getting more receivers because, you know, we want all the receivers in college football. Right, and listen, I think the point you're making about Dominic Blalock is a is a really good one there as well. So happy to hear the fact that he's 
you know, back healthy again, or at least healthier than he has been, because I know it's been a long road to recovery for him, and he's been diligent through it all, and seeing him return to that 2019 form could be a lot of fun. Terrence, it is always so much fun talking ball with you here on the program today, and I know you love the game, and you love teaching the game, and you're doing some great things there with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. You said working out with Ron Veal, and obviously your brother's doing some great stuff with the running backs there, too. You're hanging out with all kinds of uh, great instructors, and for folks who want more of what you're doing on a daily basis, how can they uh, get in touch with you? Well, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. And just a side note, I will, since now I am at Milton High School, but next fall, I will be bringing T.E. Wide Receiver Academy up to the Northfield Fulton area as well. So, Rockwell, uh, Mama Depp is always getting on me to bring this up there. So, I am going to bring training up to North Fulton. That sounds great, Terrence. Uh, really good stuff. Thanks for uh, being here today. And uh, keep up the great work. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. You know, it's oh, so easy to forget because time passes and, you know, we start talking about other players. But Dominic Blaylock, when he was healthy, had a very good freshman season for UGA. If you want to go back to him as a, you know, performer there at Walton High School with the Raiders, uh, Blaylock was the kind of guy that opposing coaches hated to play against. And I had so many folks who you know did battle against him during his high school career who basically said that same thing and he did a lot of wildcat quarterback things like that and I mean he just had such a ability to make people miss he was just such a good athlete and you know he was one of those guys because of the mindset because of the just the physical gifts that that really had a lot of hype coming on to him come you know on him coming into Georgia and as Terrence said even though the 2019 offense had its issues for UGA and a lot of that was throwing the football, Dominic Blaylock still showed you a lot. He still showed you a lot of promise. And last couple of years have been tough for him on the injury recovery front. We, we certainly understand all of that. But you go and hear what Smart said. Maybe we'll even play this for you tomorrow. You go and hear what Smart said about Blaylock earlier this week. You, you have some reason to believe that, hey, Hey, maybe maybe that's behind him now. I know how hard he's worked. I've you know, I talked to people who are close to Dominic, and I, I know how hard he's he's worked, and I know how ready he is to kind of be back doing this again. So maybe that's what all that is. Cool to hear Terrence bring that up there at the end of that conversation. All right, let's uh, transition here. We'll give you some SEC news coming up, and before that, we'll remind you about cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I got a great email yesterday from one of our friends of the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Uh, got my cabin number, got my booking information uh, for the upcoming cruise with Dog Nation on Independence of the Seas, leaving out of Port Canaveral on April 25th. That means I can go to the Royal Caribbean app, which, by the way, I have right here on my phone, uh, and I can start planning all the cool stuff that, that you do. And uh, I actually really like the Royal Caribbean app because it makes all the things you want to do on board really easy to access, You know, whether it be specialty restaurants or you know, you know short excursions, things like that. You kind of get locked in on all that on that really good uh royal caribbean app and it's just one of those things just kind of fun to kind of play around with because it gets you excited about being on board and and doing really fun things whether it be in nassau or right there in the bahamas as one of the ports we're visiting or perfect day coco k beautiful private island uh, right there in the bahamas with uh so many fun things to do uh thrill side chill side on board the ship uh, the fun continues there as well really cool bars like lime and coconut which are around the pool or you know specialty restaurants such as 
you know, Chops Grill or Zumi or uh, Playmaker Sports Bar. You get the Flow Rider. You, you just got so many great things to do on board these World Caribbean cruise ships. And Independence of the Seas, I think it's a great choice for the very first ever cruise with Dog Nation. And going to places like Perfect Day, Coco Cay, really great too. Uh, the time is limited, though. This is one of those deals. Like, like, I'm already getting emails. I've already got my cabin number and all that kind of stuff. So, y'all, if you've been hearing me say this and you've been kind of twirling your thumbs about getting on board, now is the time to get that done. Do not put off making that decision. Uh, space is limited. It, it, one of these days, they're going to kind of cut it off and say there's no more room. But for now, there is still a little, little bit of room. So get on board, get involved with the very first ever cruise at Dog Nation. Go to dognation.com. You can see right there at the top of the page. Or you can um, go to dognationcruise.com. We'll see you on board. Independence of the Seas, leaving out of Port Canaveral on April 25th. Uh, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day, Coco K with you and Royal Caribbean on board Independence of the Seas. Can't wait to see you there for that. All right, SCC through now, cruising around the SCC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. So NCAA tournament returns tonight. Uh, we'll tell you more about the uh, chance for you to be a winner by picking one of the upsets here for this. But let me give you uh, the schedule here real quick. So uh, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Zags, 10-point favorite there. You got Michigan Villanova tonight. That's a 6, 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, uh, Nova's a five-point favorite there. Duke, Texas Tech. Texas Tech's actually a one-point favorite, at least uh, on the uh, site that I'm looking at here. Arizona, Houston. I, if you're looking upset-wise, uh, Houston may be worth a little bit of a look there on that. Purdue, St. Peter's. Obviously, the, the Peacocks, one of the upset-minded teams that kind of rode their way in on the Cinderella wave. So pretty good crop of games tonight, including a couple of those one seeds. Uh, Duke and Villanova, obviously uh, one of the darlings. A lot of folks had Arizona in their bracket facing a tough test from Kelvin Sampson in Houston tonight. So the return of the NCAA tournament tonight with a round of 16 action. Always really fun. By the time the weekend ends, we'll have a final four. And we'll tell you more about our Kroger fuel for an upset here coming up in a uh, moment. Before that, Speaking of basketball, let me give you a quick update on the situation with George. We told you yesterday that Joni Taylor was leaving UGA to take the uh, job there at uh, Texas A&M. And it was interesting to see how quickly Georgia was in place to respond to all of this. Overtures going out pretty fast, it seemed like, to what we found out was Ole Miss's coach. And yet, apparently, those overtures, I guess, were led to believe have been rebuffed, rejected, if you will. Let me show you this uh, from some of the uh, local Mississippi media, including uh, Super Talk, which is a, uh, a sports kind of sports sta- show that stretches over the uh, f- several radio stations there in Mississippi. It says, in a swift turn of events, Ole Miss's women's basketball coach, Yolette McPhee McEwen, is staying in Oxford. A lot of folks thought that uh, it, would, it had been reported in Ole Miss that George was even negotiating with her. And I guess the thought was that she was going to take the job and then, lo and behold, decides to stay at Ole Miss. I guess you're going to say that big money came her way from Ole Miss to stay there. I want to say Joni Taylor was making around 800 grand or so at Ole Miss. I'm sorry, at Georgia. So you're talking about, you know, on the verge of a million bucks or so for the women's basketball coach. And so maybe we'll find out what Yolette McPhee McEwen uh, got to stay there at Ole Miss. But she was thought to maybe be the next coach of the dogs. But that is not going to be the case. So we'll find out where UG goes next. And like we're in a day and age where we said before, you know, Georgia goes sitting SEC coach with Mike White. A&M goes sitting SEC women's coach with Joni Taylor, where going after something that feels a little bit more like the sure thing, even if it's not, you know, in, in the case of Joni, listen, I, I love her, but she didn't win a ton at UGA. So maybe not always the easiest sell the next place. But you can at least sell stability. It's kind of the same thing for Mike White, who you know has won a little bit at Florida, but not as much as 
maybe some Georgia fans were hoping their next coach would give promise for. But you can sell the stability of kind of going after a sure thing. Brooks doing the same thing here, at least presumably with Ole Miss's coach, although it does not quite work out that way. And, you know, that's kind of the age we seem to be in when it comes to all of that. One quick recruiting note here. So we talked a lot on on the show this week, but the visit that Arch Manning took to Georgia last week and the positive vibes that visit seemed to conjure. We know that Manning's got a visit this week to University of Texas, and we now know on the basis of reporting, I think all the major recruiting websites have now had this, is that Manning is going to next visit the University of Alabama. In fact, I'll show you this on the screen here from our friends at AL.com, also reporting this there as well, that in April, Alabama gets its chance to host uh, arch manning there coming up and this is one of the questions i think i asked this on the show yesterday of so we have commonly heard this as georgia versus texas for arch manning but we've also heard these other programs on the periphery alabama being one and the one thing i think we've kind of wondered is well how much will those other programs actually emerge as a true threat or does this end up being truly what people have been kind of saying for a while you know georgia versus texas and all of this this is alabama once again getting a chance to throw its hat in the ring don't forget steve wilfong from 24 7 sports has previously reported that in addition to Ole miss you're also going to see new coach at florida give the gators a chance new coach at lsu give lsu a chance after wilfong has reported that you, know, you haven't really heard much about that since then so maybe a follow-up on that is due at some point in time obviously we'll talk to jeff Sintel about all this tomorrow but we now know another visit is coming up for manning this from alabama and i'll say one more thing about this and then we'll wrap up so alabama has pretty clearly become a place for quarterbacks you know bryce young now you know you look at the uh i mean what would you have three former alabama quarterbacks starting in the nfl last season that after a quarterback really wasn't a big part of the early days of nick saban pretty fast become a major part of the program here right now and so you know as kind of the obvious choice for five-star quarterbacks that's kind of what alabama set itself up to be so let's say that manning doesn't end up going to alabama that would say a lot to me he would say on the one hand that manning really is content to be a little bit of an outlier quarterback not just following the path of what so many other quarterbacks have done recently but also you kind of wonder does that you know make some sort of statement about the future of Nick Saban for instance you know obviously Saban is 70 years old now and he's not going to keep on doing this forever if if Alabama after having so much success with the quarterback position and no one can deny how much success they've had if that success doesn't give them the the chance to truly impress arch manning if manning decides he wants to go to a georgia or texas instead of alabama then i think that that decision would be open to interpretation that we've always kind of felt like one way or another manning is a little bit of a bellwether recruit if he goes to georgia i think it goes to show you that as we've described it, or as as folks close to manning have described it the old school nature of this recruitment i think you can say well if manning goes to georgia that old school recruiting still works if he goes to texas you might say well just goes to show you the programs with all the money and people seem to think that texas got the most of that that programs with all the money boy they just have a they have an unfair advantage here in 2023 manning at texas might lead some to say that manning not going to alabama would lead to its own uh insinuations here there too so in a lot of ways for me whether it's georgia or not the choice that manning makes the school that he lands at would be a little bit of a bellwether for what might be on the way for college football, how much things have changed or maybe how much things haven't quite changed yet when it comes to the way in which the business of recruiting gets done. By the way, speaking of business, you have a chance to be in business and be a big winner here right now with our friends at Kroger. We told you the uh, schedule a little earlier. 
Uh, how about the Kroger fuel for an upset? Now, when I say upset, I'm not talking about point spreads. We're talking about seeding here. Uh, a worse seed beating a better seed. Your chance to be a big winner tonight as fuel for the upset returns. We had two winners last week. I told you about Eddie Grizzle. He was our winner from last Thursday. Also, Blair Calhoun was our winner uh, for Friday there as well. So we got two more chances to win for the crop of games today on this Thursday and then the crop of games tomorrow, the other round of 16 games to be played on Friday. So here's how it works. You go to info at dognation.com. Send the email. Now, if you were a participant in last week's contest, but you weren't the winner, you get a chance to kind of do that again today. Many of you have already sent in your upset pick, but send in your upset pick um, and give us your information there, info at dognation.com. And if all those that correctly pick an upset, we'll just simply draw out a winner. And what you're going to be is a winner of a prize pack of gift cards worth $200 from our friends at Kroger. It's a hundred bucks gift card to Kroger, $50 to REI and uh, $50 to Home Depot there as well. So a great collection of gift cards, uh, you know, coming your way by being our Kroger fuel for an upset winner. And by the way, speaking of fuel, don't forget great things going on with our friends at Kroger right now. Gas fuel for your car, never been more expensive. Anything you can do to make that a little bit more cost effective for you. That obviously makes a lot of sense. It means taking advantage of those great fuel point savings there at Kroger. Obviously the right way to go. So you can be a winner no matter what by getting your fuel at Kroger, but you can also be our Kroger fuel for an upset winner by sending your upset pick for tonight's tournament games to info at dognation.com. We'll draw a winner, and hopefully we'll be able to announce that for you tomorrow with one more chance to win coming up on Friday. So uh, make sure you get that in. Uh, Good stuff there coming down the uh, pipe in the next couple of days. Yesterday, we're going to give you a uh, golden shoe winner. We had a little bit of a mishap, uh, so I want to share this with you today. This is our buddy Brian Whitehead. So the story I told yesterday, I'll tell this very quickly, is I like using good photos for our stories at dognation.com, and oftentimes that means a crowd shot. But I never know who the faces in the crowd are, and I always wonder what they must think about seeing themselves at dognation.com. So I finally found out one of the photos I used, and I didn't realize at the time, was of our buddy Brian Whitehead, great commenter, uh, very active Georgia fan online. He says, thanks for using my pick in your article. So, Brian, uh, congratulations to you. Great photo holding up that national championship flag. That's a cool, I mean, if I'm Brian, I'm getting that thing blown up and framing that in my man cave, my basement, living room, whatever else. It looks great. So good stuff by Brian. Our buddy uh, Mad Dog also weighs in there as well. Speaking of basketball, uh, Mad Dog writes in to say Gator fans watching Todd Golden, the new basketball coach, coaching their team next year. And he's in a little bit of a dumpster fire doing his thing there. Gators fans look none too happy about that. Hashtag Gator Hater. Hashtag Golden Shoe. We will certainly give you that, Mad Dog. And speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators in football, 4,823 days since they have won a national championship. That is not good news if you're a Gator. More bad news coming as well. 219 days from right now. Uh, That is our Gator Hater countdown. Dogs beating up on Florida again. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, the place you come to for your comments after the show is done from Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. Uh, also, R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, AC unit. We turned our air conditioning on last night. It was, it's been pretty warm uh, you know, in our house, and so I'm hot-natured, so turned the AC on a little bit. Thankfully, it cranked on and did what it was supposed to do. And if you're worried that yours is not, Get it tuned back up before the warm weather gets here, rsandrews.com for more on that. Uh, one point for the cool down today, and this is a little bit of a preview of something I want to do tomorrow. So I think it's been very, very interestingly quiet, at least it was for a while. I was starting to hear more stuff come out now 
about the visit that LT Overton took to Georgia last week. Of course, Overton, the former five-star defensive lineman from the class of 2023, that's reclassified as 2022, and he's in the midst of making his decision. Uh, Brother, a part of that there as well, as Jeff reported last week with us, that his brother from Liberty is also seemingly going to go wherever it is that LT Overton goes. And I guess one of the things that's kind of out there right now is that maybe uh, Georgia's making a slightly different pitch to how Overton might be used. Maybe a little bit less of that defensive end role, maybe a little bit more of that like true, you know, edge rusher type thing, which in Georgia's case means more outside linebacker type stuff. I don't know how you know real all that is, but I think that's kind of an interesting look. What might be going on there, and you know, just how involved Georgia might still be in all of this. I Man, I don't, I don't mind telling you that as a reclassified prospect, there is a part of me that's a little less excited about Overton. I think he's a tremendous, tremendous prospect, but like. You know, in, in a lot of cases, I'm not quite so much sure how much sense reclassifying makes. I'm not a huge fan of reclassifying. I, I just am not. I mean, let's say it's my own son here for a moment. I mean, you would have to really convince me that it was a good idea to get one fewer year out of high school. Because as I said before, I think sometimes we erroneously think of like high school as like the start of adulthood when it really ought to be more like the end of childhood as, you know, kind of tried as it can almost sound but these are still development years they're the final development years and you're talking about in a lot of cases very big bodies but you know the the mind and the soul that's inside these bodies oftentimes not anywhere near as developed as the physical outside characteristics are now i don't know over this particular case i'm not going to be uh ex, you know speak expertly on his specific situation but i am not a huge fan of reclassification i'm not and i am very skeptical that a player remains the same caliber of prospect when you start comparing him to a guys who are a year older, especially when it comes to playing on the front seven, certainly playing along the defensive line. So I've had my suspicions about this for a while, but I do still think that Overton's a big-time prospect, and I think he'd be a great land for Georgia as that final piece of the 2022 class if that's indeed a possibility. So is it still a possibility, and what role did the um, did the visit play in all of that? I, I look forward to finding that out from Jeff Sintel tomorrow so that's a little bit of a preview of uh, tomorrow's show but we appreciate you being here today and we appreciate rs andrews for making it possible online at rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day we say they do plumbing stuff that's one of the things that we mean by all of that also i bet our buddy Dari payroll from rs andrews got a lot of action down on some of the tournament games here this weekend too if i know Dari, i know that's true so hope all of you have a great day we will see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by merryweather and tharp and look forward to talking to you then